Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are back with a French Grand Prix recap. Personally, I didn't think it was too spicy of a race besides my prophetic DNF Ferrari hot take. But as always, we'll find lots of things to dig into and give you guys everything you need to know. So with that, I'm Chessa. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Sarah. So we'll jump right into our main takeaways from the weekend. Mine, like many people's, was that Ferrari is a disaster. (laughs) Red Bull is just an absolute machine right now. And to fight them for a title, you need to be pretty error-free. And Ferrari doesn't just make errors. They tend to have total debacles. So, of course, we had the huge unforced error from Charles that put him now 63 points behind Max. And in my opinion, is the final nail in the coffin of his title fight. And on top of that, also, he had a big unforced spin at Imola earlier this season that cost him a podium. So this is actually the second big unforced error he's had. And it's harsh to say this, but the other drivers at Charles's level just aren't making those sorts of mistakes. Plus, throw in a host of problems on Carlos's side of the garage that we'll get into that cost him a chance to fight for a podium. And Carlos was super diplomatic after it and defended the team, but it was just a huge yikes all around. For sure. Yeah, as much as I love Charles, I have to agree. And I think Charles also knows it too, judging from his interview comment about how he doesn't deserve the championship if he makes mistakes like that, which very tough to watch and to hear that blood curdling scream on the radio. But in other news, other takeaway for me, a double Mercedes podium for the first time this season. It really put a smile on my face to see George up there next to Lewis, someone said, I think Sarah, (laughs) that it was a flaming (laughs) hot take when I said they might just be back, but I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship or anything, but they're definitely trimming the constructors delta and we don't see George or Lewis or the Mercedes strategy team making a ton of mistakes out there. And as we've talked about before, reliability is not sexy, but it's what dreams are made of. So We'll see how they keep doing for the rest of the season here. So now the gap between Mercedes in P3 in Constructors and Ferrari in P2 is about half of the gap between Ferrari and Red Bull, which is wild. Wow, Tiggy, your hot takes are really coming true. I love it. (laughs) We'll see. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship, but they're, they're fighting. They're, they're, they're eking their way up. For me, I think I'm just going to have to retweet all of the above on Ferrari and Mercedes, et cetera. For me, a little bit random, but I'm sad that Checo hasn't been blowing me out of the water. I expect so much more from my Mexican king. Max looked so great over the weekend. The Red Bull's doing so well. So I'd expect the same from Checo. So it's just a little bit disappointing to just not see him performing to the ability that Max in the car is. 
A few other things. I'm really happy for Stroll who ended up being in the points. <laughs> Random thing, but like, let's make sure we call that out. And then I'm just also really starting to feel badly for Pierre. He had another really bad weekend, extra tough since this was his home race. And it just seems like the AlphaTauri team is really going south. Yeah, they're on the struggle bus. So how are hot takes held up? I said Mercedes win. So I guess a Lewis P2 and a George P3 isn't too shabby, but did not come true exactly. And then I also said Ocon would be a top five given his momentum and home race. That didn't pan out. He got P8 from starting P10, so could be worse. But after being knocked out in Q2, I did not have a lot of hope for that one. <laughs> Ooh, so Tiggy, if, if Mercedes is back, does that mean Mercedes can't be in our hot takes anymore either now? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Lewis hasn't won yet this season, so I feel like I can keep throwing that out there. <laughs> True. That continues. We will let you throw Lewis P1 as a hot take until he does it. <laughs> For me, I hate myself, but my hot takes did super well. I had a Ferrari DNF, which is so crappy, but that worked out really well. And then I did have both Mercedes in the top five, so patting myself on the back for this weekend. I had Mercedes podium, which was true two times over, but my other ones crashed and burned. Mick and points, very far away from that. Um, but Alpine fighting up front was true. Alonso had a solid P6, but Ocon had had a tough weekend. So can't really take walk away with a victory there. So MVPs, last season, Chessa would be kicking me right now, but my MVP was Mercedes. The car looked great. The drivers looked better. It was a perfect storm. I can't wait to see how they do the rest of the season. Mine had to be Carlos, and he got driver of the day for F1, which he definitely deserved. P19 to P5 and fastest lap, despite classic Ferrari energy with slow pit stops, a five-second penalty for an unsafe release, and that now much-discussed final pit stop. He also had some just really beautiful passes of Russell and Checo, including a really quite daring flat-out pass of Russell. Yeah, I'll also add that Carlos was a great teammate during quali, giving Charles that slipstream. It's not like he had anything to lose by doing so because he was starting from the back of the grid, but still great teamwork there. But I am going to give mine to Mercedes as well, both the drivers and the broader team for their continued consistency, their reliability, their upward trajectory, and big props to Hamilton for just an electric start and the fact that apparently his water bottle was broken the entire race in like 90 to 100 degree weather. He made a funny comment at the end that he actually never drinks during the races, but the quote unquote one time he tried to, it was broken, <laughs> which him lying down in the cool down room said it all to us. And he was also back in the Beats Lab right after the race making music. So what a legend. <laughs> And also back working out this morning, of course. Yes. I think coming in P2 probably inspires some good music from him. He's been lacking <laughs> out this season. So LVPs, I think for me, it was just the horror movie that was the Charles Radio. That <laughs> green that you talked about just gave me such goosebumps. The sounds of pure and utter disappointment and rage. I was pretty freaked out. It was scary. Mine, I'm sorry, but mine was Charles as for the aforementioned reasons. And then, and also an honor I mentioned to Russell for complaining to the point that Toto needed to get on the radio <laughs> twice to tell him to basically shut up and drive. And for those of you who might be less familiar, the team principals getting on the radio during the race is quite rare. It doesn't happen much. It's usually when they really need a nudge. And so Toto coming on twice in five minutes was pretty funny. 
Yeah, I was surprised by that, especially coming from George, who I feel like is the prim and proper. <laughs> George is the type of guy to not do <laughs> <I> that. <know. laughs> and he also drives such like nice, quiet races. We've said that so many times. So yeah. we're just being a little bit of a problem child this weekend. We like to see it, though. <laughs> it got him up on the podium. So keep it up. Keep it up, George. For me, I feel like there are actually a lot to choose from this weekend, sadly, but I'm going to go with Alpha Tauri. We talked about this a little bit already, but I was just hoping for more from Gasly for his home race. He had a disappointing quality and frustrating race finishing outside the points and then a DNF for Yuki as well, continuing a four-race no-points streak for them. So hoping Ouch. to see more from them. Tough, tough. So before we jump into the race, um, we'll talk a little bit about some news that led up to the race. So we had the W Series on Saturday, which is always really exciting. Jamie Chadwick, to no one's surprise, she won this weekend's W Series. This was her fifth consecutive win of the season, a.k.a. she has won all five races this season. So she, I think, is now double the points of Abby Pulling, who is second in the championship. So she's really pulling ahead for the W Series. And then Lewis Hamilton, he is super close to having his diversity charter pass, which is really exciting. The charter encourages more diversity and helps those from underrepresented backgrounds enter the sport, which we love. And on Thursday, he said that we are very close to getting this diversity inclusion charter going and quote, it's still one team, still the same team that is not willing to engage. I'm a little bit baffled by this. I don't know who the heck would support this. So if you're listening, one team, please get on it. Yeah, we'll refrain from taking guesses, but I don't understand. (laughs) So practice, just super quickly, there was nothing too exciting, but overall there was a lot of understeer happening in practice, which was interesting since there were more problems with oversteer and, of course, some notable spins instead during the race. The track was already super hot in FP1. It hit 136 degrees Fahrenheit or 58 degrees Celsius. Kind of the main excitement in FP1 was Mercedes had reserve driver Nick DeVries, who is a Formula E driver and is in the Mercedes family, drive in Hamilton's car in FP1. This is because each team is required this year to put a rookie in during practice in a Grand Prix weekend at least twice, and he finished P9, which is pretty good. But something else to just note was Checo was really struggling and wasn't doing well at all during all three practices. So he was able to turn around in quali a bit, but this really just was a bit of an off weekend for him overall. Yeah, bizarre. So quali, variable conditions with the super hot weather. There were also some big wind gusts in Q1. We had Gasly, Stroll, Joe, Latifi, and Vettel cut, which was sad for Gasly, as we mentioned, in his home race. And then Mick's lap got deleted for track limits, which we were surprised we didn't have more track limit problems, really, but very sad for Mick on that. So into Q2, Signs actually topped Q2 with a crazy lap, a tenth faster than Leclerc. And yeah, so knockouts there. We had Danny, Ocon, Botas, Vettel, and Albin cut. So no French drivers in Q3. And K-Mag was putting in the work to get to Q3, even though he was taking engine penalties. So maybe we'll see that pay off next race. And then lastly, Q3. So as we mentioned, Signs knew he was starting from the back of the grid due to penalties from taking a bunch of new power unit components. So his performance in Q3 didn't actually matter, but Ferrari was able to use him to help Charles by giving him a big toe, which is actually kind of hard to execute because Signs yeah. had to be the perfect gap ahead of Charles to create the slipstream. And then Signs has to dive out of the way right at the right moment. So it was very well done. 
So final results, we had Charles, Max, Checo, Lewis, Lando, and George. Let's talk about the race. It was very, very toasty on Sunday. The track was nearing 130 degrees Fahrenheit. At some points, it probably even exceeded that. As you know, the heat makes it more difficult to manage the tires, but actually the overall tire deg wasn't as bad as we had thought, considering you could literally see heat coming from the ground, even on the TV. With that being said, almost everyone did start on mediums, but notably signs started on hards from P19. Remember, he took a grid penalty from lots of new power unit components after the Austria GP, so he was starting in the back. One thing that we really want to note about this track that changed things up a lot and obviously was foreshadowing for what happens with signs later was how big the pit stop loss was at this track in particular. So the distance that the cars have to keep the pit lane speed limit, it got extended. So now they're driving much slower on a longer pit lane. So instead of the 20 seconds or something that you usually lose on a pit stop drivers this weekend, we're going to be losing over 30 seconds for each pit stop. So that was a big component into what played into the strategy for each of the drivers and the teams. The start of the race, the first lap, Charles had a great start. He beat Max off the line and was comfortably ahead going into turn one and throughout the first lap. There was also a really good start from Hamilton. He got right past Checo off the line and was P3 going into turn one. There was some wheel-to-wheel McLaren action through turns five and six that I think could have gotten spicier than it was. But overall, the highlight of lap one was just absolutely legendary stuff from K-Mag. He went from (laughs) P20 to P13 in one lap. And meanwhile, Science was still in P19. Even the announcer was like, how on earth did he just do that? (laughs) He just kept climbing up. And then I will say they did say that the Haas this weekend was looking like a rocket. So I think that's good, good on the team for that one. I know. I'm sad that they didn't get to convert that into results since they did look so fast at different points. They said in their Instagram post, they're like, for us, our our race peaked in lap one, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't see that. That's so funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. That's accurate. Um, and we don't often say this, but shout out to Stroll. He also gained five places in the first lap and was already into P10 by lap two. Wow. Yeah, so then Max crept up to Charles really fast and was within DRS range for a few laps after the start. And Max said he thought he had more pace, but when he got too close to Leclerc, his tires would overheat a bunch and he had to back off. So from a lap, from around laps four to 16, Charles held off Max really well. And Max cooked his tires a bit during all this and pitted at lap 16, which was pretty early. Then, of course, we have... The incident on lap 18 where Charles hit the barriers and there was a full safety car. Almost everyone pitted to take advantage of the safety car there since you lose about 10 to 11 seconds less here. So this shook up everyone's tire strategies. The pit lane was super chaotic and there was a big processional coming out of the pit lane after that. We all need a little extra health boost sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. 
Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code FORTHEGIRLS at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code FORTHEGIRLS for 20% off your first order. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So let's jump into the race here, team by team. Overall, as we talked about in our preview, Teams brought a lot of upgrades here, um, but there was nothing super groundbreaking in terms of like flipping up the car setups. So let's start with Ferrari. They brought that revised front mid floor and updated diffuser. Sadly, that was not particularly relevant here in the debacle, like Sarah likes to say, that was their race. So starting with Charles, things were looking really great for him. He had a great quality, as always, perfect start, and he had great defending with Max on his tail for over 10 lap. At lap 18, This is where it all happened. He oversteered. He lost the rear at turn 11, and then he spun out and hit the barriers pretty hard. At first, people thought it must have been some sort of a mechanical failure or a tire blowout because to have a top driver or really any F1 driver spin out totally unforced in dry conditions is really quite rare. Hamilton was 10 seconds behind him, so Charles was literally just driving alone on open road. Granted, yes, the Ferrari had been a bit twitchy, and he was trying to fight off an undercut attempt from Max, who had just pitted, but still, it was a very basic mistake that top drivers simply just don't make, and so that was why there was a lot of confusion about whether it was actually due to a car issue, because he made a comment about the throttle, but turns out that was just in reference to the fact that he couldn't reverse out of the barriers, because he was trying to get out to keep racing because the damage actually didn't seem that bad, but he couldn't get the engine to reverse. He freaked out and then the radio was just deep breathing. And then as we said, the most blood curdling scream we have ever heard. We Mm. didn't make this radio of the week since it was literally too intimate. Like it felt like we shouldn't even have been (laughs) listening to this. And And the breathing, the breathing was just so crazy. I was like, I they need to shut this off. <laughs> I know. It felt like we were witnessing like a full-scale breakdown, which I mean, we were. I can't remember any scream that raw in F1 recent history from a driver error. And Mattia fully said it was a driver era error. And as Tiggy said earlier, Charles really just fell on the sword and just took full blame after. So just so tough. Yes. And as we all know, the woes continued because Ferrari could not stop at just one driver having a disaster. There had to be two. (laughs) So Sainz was in P9 at this point when Charles crashed. He was super fast, just banging out clean overtake after clean overtake. He pitted under the safety car, had a slow stop, unfortunately, which was unclear around what went wrong. It seemed like all the wheels were on. 
and Max was doing like 2.2 second stops. It was just kind of unacceptable. And then the pit crew released him right into the path of a Williams that had to brake really hard to avoid crashing into him. So Sainz got a five-second penalty for an unsafe release. Then his engineer messed up and told Sainz it was a five-second stop-and-go penalty when it was actually just a five-second penalty, which is different. And so Carlos had to correct his engineer while trying to drive, where I feel like Carlos, this is not the first time he's had to do that. Yeah, true. Carlos just having these debates while driving at like 200 miles an hour. (laughs) Wild. Yeah, but really the big debate was around Ferrari's late call to pit Sainz, uh, literally as he was in the middle of passing Checo for P3. So Sainz had gotten mediums during the safety car pit, so it had seemed really unlikely that his tires would make it till the end, and Sainz told his engineer that with 13 laps left, that it was looking tough and he couldn't get past Checo so that he should pit. But Sainz was like, you you have to, to do it now so that I have enough time to make passes at the end. And that's when his engineer told him to stay out. Then Sainz started flying and battled Checo, and instead of realizing that perhaps things had changed, Ferrari called him in mid-wheel-to-wheel battle. Like, what on earth are these engineers doing? Calling him in while he's wheel-to-wheel with Checo, passing him for podium position. It's almost as if they don't have screens in the pit lane. Like, (laughs) are they just doing this blind? It's insane. So anyways, Sainz was able to make it past Checo. He did the pit stop, the faded pit stop, and then he reemerged into P9 with only 10 laps left trying to make up places. And in a pretty awesome battle from him, he ended up in P5, but it could have been way better in our opinion if he had um, if he had pitted earlier and just listened to himself instead of his engineer. Yeah, so Matias' defense of this decision, and Matias defended it pretty thoroughly, the data seemed to be showing them that the medium tires wouldn't last the rest of the race, and they wanted to pit him for fresh tires and at least have him finish the points and have a tire blowout and either a double no points finish or potentially a double DNF for the team. Plus, Matias made the point that he still deserved the penalty, and so the podium was a long shot anyway. And it is true that in the snapshot of the intervals when they pitted him right after he passed Checo, the five-second penalty would have put him in P5 anyway. And if he pitted to get the fresh tires, he could also get fastest lap. But the flip side is at this point, Carlos was absolutely flying. He thought his tires would last till the end. He managed to pull off the overtake. And a podium for him and the team after starting P19 definitely seemed worth the risk. And Fry's calculation really didn't take into account just how well Carlos was driving and the fact that you never know what's going to happen to slow down the cars up front like the Checo-George fight that ended up happening. Yeah, it's pretty hard to know without the data, but boy, as a viewer, was it frustrating to watch. It would have just been such an epic result for him, and we were so bummed when that happened. Interestingly, though, Carlos defended the team pretty thoroughly as well after the race, and he said that out of everyone, the pit wall has the data and actually knows what's going on, so it's hard to know. I, I don't know, but it was really frustrating. Yeah, the deg didn't seem that bad. He was flying on mediums. Gasly made it to the end on mediums from also stopping under the under the safety car. So this seemed like a really big mistake, at least in terms of execution, because even though it was the right call, the fact that they botched it so badly, calling him in mid-high-speed wheel-to-wheel battle just obviously taints the entire thing. Yeah. So obviously, despite this all being a big frustration to end the race for Carlos, he did have some really great bright spots that we'll call out. He was super fast. Obviously, he had the new power unit, so that might have helped. He had fastest lap in Q2. 
He had that awesome teamwork to tow Charles. And then he did have some pretty sick passes during the race. He had a great one of Russell on lap 30 for P4. Um, and then he had that great one with Checo that was interrupted by the engineer. And then obviously he got fastest lap. So I think in the end, he said that he was really happy. He was able to make these great moves. And it reflects the fact that the teams and the drivers all respect each other and trust each other to not do anything stupid, which I think is really cool to call out, which to me is very indicative of like the nature of F1. Um, so overall, I think we're very happy for signs despite some of the blunder that was this weekend. And it definitely puts him in contention to be, at least in our eyes or my eyes, one of the better drivers on the grid. Yeah, it was it was great to see. And hopefully that gives him some confidence heading into Hungary. So for Red Bull, they brought floor upgrades in a new upper wing cascade to improve downforce. Max, honestly, there's not a ton to say since he was just putting in a strong, clean weekend. And after Charles DNF, he was really just chilling out front by himself like 10 seconds ahead of Lewis. And his race was really just about managing the tires and controlling the gap. But Checo, as we mentioned, overall a pretty tough weekend for him, struggling during practice, was stuck behind Hamilton on pure pace for most of the race, even though Max was so much faster than Hamilton, so unclear what was going on there. Lap 42, he had that clash with Russell. Just right after signs passed Checo and pitted, Russell made a move on Checo and tried to drive through the inside at turn nine. Checo got pushed off, rejoined the track ahead of George. If you watch the onboards, it looks like George's front wheels made it in front of Checo's real rear, rear wheels, which generally entitles you to the corner if you're passing on the inside. But Checo argued that he had to run off track to avoid a collision, and the stewards apparently agreed. This is when George started freaking out on the radio about how it was his corner and Checo had to give the position back. And like we said, George just wouldn't drop it even after the team <laughs> Uh, it was like, come on, you weren't ahead. So Toto came on twice just to tell him to repass him on the track. So unclear why he was pushing this so much and continued to in the post-race press conference. There does seem to be a little uh, George Checo bad blood after the Austria crash that caused Checo to DNF when George felt like he didn't deserve the penalty. But who knows? I can't imagine Checo having bad blood with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My coworker said today, which is funny, he was like, this is giving me Checo Force India early days vibes. Spicy. <laughs> but unfortunately, Checo had a bit of a fumble on the virtual safety car restart a few laps after this that the VSC was from Joe's retirement because the system accidentally sent two VSC ending and green flag alerts. So Checo was kind of caught on the back foot and George just zoomed past him super easy on the actual restart. But it's super interesting seeing the vibe difference between how Red Bull interacts with Mercedes versus Ferrari. Like after Charles crashed out, Max on the radio immediately was cursing saying, oh my gosh, is he okay? And Max's engineer after the race said, oh, it's a bummer that we didn't get a good battle with Charles. And then meanwhile, Checo and George are fighting and the press conference after when it's Max and both Mercedes sitting there is just kind of awkward versus when it's the Ferrari and Red Bull drivers. So the Ch Checo and George, I think, don't seem to be getting along at the moment. Let's talk about Mercedes. Obviously, Matthew McConaughey was in the Mercedes garage, head-to-toe linen outfit, because where else would he be? You know, they got <laughs> together, those fabulous people. So for the race, Mercedes brought a revised cooling duct, a little bit of changes to the floor edge and the front brake duct. 
The car was looking very good this weekend. This was their best results of the season, the first double podium and the first P2 for either driver. Toto discussed the double podium as the maximum they could have achieved this weekend. So they're very thrilled for sure. This was Lewis's 300th GP weekend. Yeah, another record broken by him. And he was legitimately so hyped on the radio after, which is obviously lovely to see. He's been on podium the last four races in a row. So things are definitely starting to look up a bit for him. He must feel very relieved and elevated. He was very candid that they were not close to the Red Bull at all on the straight line speed. But overall, the race was very good. They did struggle a little bit with the tire warm-up, so they'll have to work on that since they're slow every time they do change tires, but we'll see some more. So for McLaren, big new upgrade package for them this weekend, despite the fact that they seem to be claiming they weren't bringing any, which is strange. They did pull out a decent weekend, all things considered, despite being bested by Alpine for points. Lando had an electric quality pulling out a P5 starting position, but Lando said after the race that P5 doesn't really reflect the car's performance right now since he can find that pace on low fuel runs with new tires, but the car struggles much more in race conditions with a full tank of fuel and worn tires, so that was kind of an interesting note. He's such a good sport, though, and always has a really good attitude. He was joking around with Will Buxton in the post-race show and was so happy that Will was giving everyone ice pops. I feel like he's just the little puppy dog of the of the paddock. <laughs> And then Daniel scored consecutive points for the first time this season, so claps for him. He kept up with Lando decently well during the race, which was good to see, but Lando did much better than him in quali, and Danny didn't make Q3, so there's still a big gap between them, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think anything this weekend is going to stop the Danny rumors from continuing. Um, So Alpine, Alpine pulled ahead of McLaren by four points in constructors, which is a huge deal for them. So hopefully setting us up for a spicy best of the rest fight the rest of this season. They had some changes to the floor edge and fences, which can do their trend of bringing consistent upgrades that generally seem to work out really well for them. It was the second top six finish for Alonso this season. He's really on fire and enjoying this car. It's good to see a finish that actually reflects his pace and performance over the course of the weekend since he's had so much bad luck. One of our favorite moments in the race, it was so funny. He was in P6 towards the middle of the race. He had both McLarens behind him. And his engineer told him that the McLarens were catching up. And Alonso was just like, oh, yeah, no problem. Sounds good. I want them closer. So they kill their tires. (laughs) (laughs) It was just a classic Alonzo moment, and it was Ocon's first point scored at home and the first time he finished a race here. He definitely hoped for more, but at least glad he got some points. He had some first lap contact with Yuki, which resulted in a five-second penalty for him because he had oversteered into Yuki. But in contrast to Alonzo, Ocon's really struggling with the car and said something's fundamentally off, but it's always kind of a tough argument to make when your teammate is finishing P6. Shout out to Danny Rick. Um, so that I don't know what's what's going on with him there. Okay, Haas. So both drivers definitely showed some good speed and promise this weekend. The car was definitely looking very, very fast, but it did end with a fizzle, sadly. It ended their two consecutive double points, finished the streak after both drivers got hit by other cars, both of which did not seem to be their fault. So the Steiner ship has downsized momentarily to perhaps <laughs> a small... <laughs> yacht or large dinghy but um (laughs) we hope we can see some more out of them next weekend but it does suck they did look really fast so hoping for better for them 
Overall, Alfa Romeo had a pretty bad weekend. Botas by lap 15 had dropped down to P16 from P11, and he ended up finishing P14. Joe also had a bad race. He hit Mick, got that five-second time penalty, and then he retired from the race with only six laps to go due to a technical issue. So after continuing to struggle a lot with reliability, Joe has retired already from five races this season. That's so tough for him. Alpha Tauri, tough weekend despite bringing major upgrades that were supposed to help with their recent woes. As we mentioned, just another all-around rough weekend for them with Gasly's poor quality performance, struggling for race pace, Yuki's DNF that didn't allow him to capitalize on making Q3, and they still have not scored points since Gasly's P5 in Baku with a Red Bull powertrain, so (laughs) I don't know what they're doing over there. Williams... Kind of meh is the word to describe their weekend, despite both cars having the upgrade package that first only went to Albon's car. Albon was showing some promise in practice, but just couldn't pull it together for the race, starting and finishing in P13. And Latifi actually felt his pace during the race was an improvement for him, but another DNF for him after contact with KMAG. So tough for them. Aston Martin, to wrap it up, they celebrated 100 years this weekend, which was fun because Seb drove a 1922 Aston Martin and looked straight out of a Netflix period piece in his hilarious early 1900s outfit. Peaky blinders, definitely. Peaky blinders vibes. And Stroll got points for the fourth time this season, which was good for him after starting P15, but Vettel had no points in P11. And right at the end, there was some Stroll-Vettel wheel-to-wheel action with Stroll trying to keep Vettel behind him. And Vettel was definitely displeased with how Stroll was driving. And a runner-up for Radio of the Week was Stroll telling his engineer to, quote, leave him alone. So that was pretty (laughs) funny. (laughs) Final results. Our top 10, we had Max, Lewis, George, Checo, Carlos, Fernando, Lando, Esteban, Danny, Rick, and Lance Stroll. And as we mentioned, our reader of the week was Toto saying to George, George, keep your head down. You can hunt him down. So read, George, just stop talking and drive your car. Our overview of the standings now, Max Verstappen has 233 points. He's really pulling away here from Charles, who has 170. Then Checo has 163. Carlos has 144. And George has 143. Then in Constructors, Red Bull has 396. So also pulling away from Ferrari with 314. Then Mercedes with 270. And Alpine just edging ahead of McLaren with 93 points to McLaren's 89 points. Thanks for sticking around for this recap, and we will be back with you in a couple of days for a hungry preview.